Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In keeping with the spirit of the week, with the Tennessee Titans at three and seven following a 34-14 to 34-14 loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars, that uh that at times didn't even seem like it was that competitive a game. But uh Titans can at least be thankful that they're not the New England Patriots, who are two and eight, or the Arizona Cardinals, who are two and nine, or the Carolina Panthers, who are one and nine. They can say they're better than all of those teams, at least for the next few days. Of course, Carolina is coming to Nissan Stadium Sunday for the uh, for the next tight as the next Titans opponent. Uh, showdown between rookie quarterbacks Bryce Young and Will Levis is is anticipated, and that will uh, that will add some nice drama to what is an otherwise forgettable matchup within the within the grand scheme of things but uh and of course the good news for titans fans it's been a while since the titans have played at nissan stadium but lest we remind you they have they have been a much better team have played some pretty good football at times in their in their home field so we will uh we will see if they can can return to form as they return home on sunday afternoon but uh we have some things to discuss, of course, before then, and we will do so here and now on this episode of the Believe in Titans podcast with uh, with former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, happy Thanksgiving week, sir. Uh, same to you, David. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Uh, John Glennon of the Nashville Post. John, happy Thanksgiving. And to you as well. And, uh, and I am David Beauclair. And... Uh, uh, as always, uh, a little bit of housekeeping to get out of the way. The uh, the Titans this week signed safety Matthew Jackson and running back Jonathan Ward to the practice squad. Both those guys were waived on Saturday ahead of the Jacksonville game and kept around now and and likely will be in the mix for playing time going forward as members of the practice squad. And they waived from the active roster, Jaleel Johnson. Obviously no earth shattering moves there. Nothing that is going to make anyone think that, uh, that they're going to, that, that, that the season's going to turn around based on that. The, uh, the week's first injury report is out. Traylon Burks still dealing with the concussion at this point looks unlikely to play Sunday. Uh, right tackle Chris Hubbard, the, the bad news with a biceps injury has not practiced and there's been a report that he is out for the year. The good news, although I guess some people won't look at it that way, is uh, Andre Dillard is back to full participation from a concussion. And so it, it looks like there will be some sort of uh, offensive line shuffle once again, uh, once again this week. Uh, we, you know, we have, we have talked about the offensive line issues, I think, to death. I, I don't know that we need to go into them again but uh but we'll see where we'll see where Dylan Raiden's lines up this week I guess is the best way to uh best way to look at it he could be uh he could be playing his third different position in as many games I think if uh if I have it correctly but uh but going back to uh going back to Sunday 
as we mentioned, it was a one-sided loss to Jacksonville. That's three in a row again, seven in 10 games this season, 14 losses in 17 games. Um, there, there are starting to be some rumbles, I think, in uh, in social media circles and, and fan chats and that sort of thing about Mike Rabel's job security. Uh, uh, Denard, I guess, well, let's start with you. How much of this falls at the feet of the head coach right now and uh and should he be should he be worried about his his future right now i think everybody in that locker room should be worried about their future right now uh and i even the general manager because he plays a large role uh in the decision making he put this team together as well so you got to include Rand carthon in this and I mean, that's what happens when you lose, David. You know, this is a game where ultimately you're judged by your wins and your losses is what allows it uh, really is uh, leads to your exit out of that uh, building. And so right now they just, they just, they don't look very good. They don't look good on paper and they don't look good on film. And I think what was embarrassing Sunday is this is a team that didn't score until five seconds left in the third quarter. And I, you just cannot win in this league like this. And when you look at the two touchdowns that they scored, the fact that you had to use trick plays on both, that shows you offensively what kind of firepower you have, which is nothing. And give it up for Jacksonville. I thought their defensive coordinator, Mike Caldwell, called one heck of a game. And what he did was said, listen, this is what we're going to do early. He says, we're going to stop number 22. For the last three years, this man has absolutely terrorized this organization. And they did one heck of a job. What they limited to 38 yards rushing on 10 carries. So imagine if your stars are not productive, David, what chance do you have on Sundays to win? Yeah, and that's right. I guess a tip of the cap to Jacksonville for finally putting the wraps on on Derrick Henry because it it for the last several years it seemed like it didn't matter what the situation was didn't matter who won Derrick was you know Derrick was going to get his yards and was going to be a problem and uh and that certainly was not the case on Sunday and and you you know you mentioned the the trick plays for touchdowns one of them uh Jeffrey Simmons catching a touchdown pass which is which is sort of a fun thing but it, it it certainly, I guess it didn't feel that fun even at that moment, given the state of the game. And on the one hand, you want to, you want to say, well, the Titans wasted that play in a game that they were clearly going to lose at that point. But the other side of it is now that's on film for other teams to look at and they can put Simmons in there and, and do something else off of it while they're, uh, while they're worried about him catching a pass. So that, that has set for a team that has not been good in the red zone this year. They, they at least, I think in that regard, set themselves up for, uh, for, for something to work again down the line here in a game or two. But, uh, you know, back to the subject of Mike Vrabel too, it was what, two years ago, John, I, I think it was in his, in, a, in one of the early postseason press conferences, Vrabel was, was feeling particularly salty for what seemed like no particular reason and, and declared to the media that he was going to be around for a long time. Um, do, do you think the, that that a long time has uh, has moved very quickly on him all of a sudden? It, it, I mean, is time running out on him possibly? I do. I do recall that uh, the press conference because that was, I believe, he had actually signed his extension, if I recall correctly. Maybe a, you know a couple of days beforehand, and it hadn't become public. 
So he was kind of speaking. Uh, he, he was uh, later. He would say, "I was trying to give you guys a hint that that uh, you know I'd, I'd had my extension." But uh, regardless, yeah, you know, I mean, we we all know how quickly things can change in in the NFL. Uh, um, and you know, do I think that that right now that that Mike Vrabel's job is is on the line right now? I I don't think so. I don't get that sense, and and I think that's because. You have to look at the larger uh, picture, the big body of work that Mike Vrabel has had so far. And if you look at before everything hit the fan last year for that seven-game losing streak, they were 50-29 and 29 under, under Mike Vrabel. You know, and he's a guy with four winning records, two division titles, AFC title game, and AFC coach of the year on his resume. Um, I, I blame last year, the slide last year, primarily on injuries. Absolutely gutted this team. Tannehill missed five games, three down the stretch. And I blame most of the, the problems this year uh, on, on roster construction. You know, I just don't think that roster is, is all that good. So those are some of the reasons I don't think that right this moment that Mike Brabel's job is on the line. But look, you know, I mean, if he continues, or I shouldn't say he, if, if this team continues to stink it up going down the stretch here, uh, you know, we might be looking at something different in the offseason. You know, they, they've got five of their last seven games at home. You know, and if they're putting out a terrible product, especially at home, and there's nobody in the stands there watching it because of how bad they are, how irrelevant they are, it's not a good look. The owner's not going to be uh, sitting in her suite uh, enjoying, you know, the, the overall product. Um, and, and if you go the better part, you know, of, of a of a year and a half being one of the worst teams in football, then then I think you you do have to give it some thought. And and as we talked about last week, I think, uh, you know, Amy Adams Strunk certainly is not afraid to fire people. Uh, Ken Wisenhunt, it was in the middle of a season, you know, his second season. Uh, Mike Malarkey, after two winning seasons, he got fired. Uh, John Robinson, in the middle of a season, after he put together, you know, I think uh, what what four straight winning seasons. And was still at seven and five at that spot, so she's not afraid to, to pull the trigger. Um, and and if things continue to go really poorly, you know she she may think uh, you know she, she may give that some consideration this offseason. So I think he has really got to show that his young guys are making progress down the stretch. And and obviously the most important one there is Will Levis. Uh, you know guys like Tajay Spears too. Uh, Josh Wiley, Chigo Conquo at the at the tight end spots, Skoronsky. Are, are you know are are you is Mike Vrabel giving us a clear picture that that things can change under his watch that that he is improving the talent on hand? I think those are some of the things that he has to show you know during this seven game stretch, and it's not going to be easy because there's no playoff motivation either. Um, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens and and. Uh, what the thinking of uh, Ms. Uh, Ms. Amy Adams Strunk is at uh, at the end of this year? Yeah, I, I think I think one thing that that people need to understand that among Mike Vrabel's skills, I think he is I think he's quite adept at dealing with the owner and, and making sure the owner knows at least on a week to week basis, if not a day to day basis, sort of the state of the team and how he sees it and what he's working toward and. Uh, uh, he is, you know, Jeff Fisher 
was really really good at that with with Amy's father Bud Adams and and uh you know Bud Bud was sort of an an odd guy and and a and a tough a tough guy to talk to in a lot of ways but but Jeff took time every week and really made Bud Adams feel like he was part of the process and 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 it, it made a difference when you when you look at 2004 2005 for example when the Titans went 5 and 11 4 and 12 in back-to-back seasons and and Jeff Fisher survived that and 3 years later the Titans went 13 and 3 in 2008 had the best record in the NFL that season and uh you know had had uh, had two more play in fact he only had one losing record uh for Tennessee after that in 5 seasons after that uh that that to that terrible two-year stretch so there's 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 something to be said for that and I think too John you're right also in in pointing out Will Levis I, I think I think the move to to Levis at quarterback was sort of Mike Vrabel's declaration to the to Amy Adams Strunk to the fan base to the entire world that you know we are we are setting our sights on the future everything we're doing now is is to build toward that i think uh i think that's part of why you see like christian fulton for example getting benched again on set on sunday and and trey avery getting thrown in there again they're they're trying to trying to develop trey avery for potentially a bigger role going forward and uh you know the the so the the, the sense is very much that there is a future for this team such as it is right now how many of these exact players and coaches will be a part of it remains to be seen but uh you know Mike Vrabel has said he has he has no plans to fire any coaches in season certainly he's made it clear he's willing to do that during the off season but uh but it it's it, it it's not like he's he's flailing and and just reaching for answers here i'm sure in those conversations with the owner he says these are the problems these are the things that could be addressed this year. These are the answers that we're going to have to come up with during the off season. And, and, you know, you go from there and, and he has to just hope that it, uh, that, that he's around, he gets enough done that, that he is around to, uh, to do that. But John, you, you mentioned the, the Titans are, uh, are all but officially eliminated from the playoff picture here after, after just 11 games and and 10 or excuse me, 10 games in 11 weeks. It's uh, it's not fun. Taylor Lewan, you know, in recent years talked about, he was part of teams that, uh, you know, guys in November were already making plans for the first week of the off season, where they were going to go, where they were going to be. Um, Denard, have, have you ever, were you ever part of locker rooms like that and how, uh, <laughs> How much does that detract from the from the the sense of purpose when guys start thinking that way? That's a great question. Uh, I actually was thinking about that, uh, thinking about this team, and I was part of a team like that. Uh, it was in Oakland uh, when we was I played for the Raiders, and that last year we knew we were mathematically uh, eliminated uh, from the playoffs by around this time, uh, mid, late November. And what happens, we saw, uh, well, what I witnessed was guys actually quit. And that is not what you want to see. And unfortunately, that kind of led to Norv Turner's d- demise as a uh, coach for the Raiders uh, in two years. So, again, I don't see any quit in this team, David. That's one thing I do like about a Mike Vrabel team. They do 
they will compete. The problem with this team right now is there's just too many holes. Your offensive line, uh, they played, uh, I hate to use this word, abysmal uh, is a nice word to put it. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but then when you look at the secondary, I was I did a show today earlier with ESPN and, and um, Greg Lerner, and he talked about the secondary. And I said, man, you ran Carthon, you traded away arguably your best cornerback in over a decade uh, or nearly a decade in Kevin Byard. Now he's in Philadelphia, but when you traded Kevin, what happened is a lot of that leadership left uh, along with, with uh, and that hurt this unit. You can tell the way that they play in the back half uh, and the way that they play Sunday. There's no confidence in those young corners. Even Roger McCrary uh, has taken a step back. We saw him get beat, and we saw Jacksonville receivers absolutely annihilate Tennessee secondary Sunday. Christian Kirk went off, and we haven't called uh, Calvin Ridley name in years, and he had over 100 yards receiving. Uh, what happened with this team is, yeah, there is the future with Will, but you see a lot of when you've lost A.J., you can still see the effect from those trades, and they got to make some big moves uh, in the offseason as far as the draft and free agency if they want to get better. Yeah, and, and let's uh, let's take a quick moment and salute Kevin Byard, by the way, who on uh, on Monday night playing for the Eagles basically spent the night running with Travis Kelsey all night long. You know, most of the most of the game, which is which is certainly no easy feat. And uh, um, you know, he, the the interception he had in the end zone was not covering Kelsey on that one, but I, I think that was a. Uh, I, I think Titans fans probably watched that game with a with a bit of you know, joy in their hearts for Kevin Byard being Kevin Byard doing the kinds of things he does. But then the sadness of thinking, oh, you know, God, this guy was on our team and did uh, did so much for this team for uh, for so long. Um, John, I, I, I'm sure I, I haven't seen or heard much of it, but I'm sure it's going to come up, you know, the the idea of. Uh, of tanking now at this point to get the the best possible draft pick. Denard said he sees no quit in this team. Do you see, do you see any indication that, uh, that that further moves might be made to sort of, you know, we'll, we'll just call it that we'll, you know, tank this season and, uh, and, and try and improve draft position at this point. And I don't see signs so far of, of you know, of tanking, right? I don't see so signs so far of, of a lack of fight. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting going on, going going down the stretch, too, um, because, you know, even last week, there was just that, that shred of hope, maybe, that shred of optimism. And I think we talked about it a little bit, too, that, you know, hey, what if we beat Jacksonville this week? What if we do what Jacksonville did last year? turn things around by beating the team on top of the division, get on a roll, you know, put yourself right back in the thick of the playoff chase. And and if they had beaten Jacksonville last week, hey, you're only two games back of the Jaguars. And this is the first game, really, that pretty much, I mean, it's not mathematical, but for the most part, all hope is lost uh, right now. I think, you know, I think the New York Times playoff predictor has a less than 1% likelihood of the of the titans making the playoffs so really we're going to start seeing that that test right now and it's a long time too you know i mean a lot of times teams will get eliminated you know with three or four weeks to go maybe and then you wonder oh i wonder how it's going to go so seven games still left um so it's a legitimate question 
uh, I asked a couple of, of you know veterans uh, this this week, sort of, you know, what do you deal with? How, how do you deal with the the you know having no motivation for the playoffs? Um, because it hasn't been the case here. You know, I mean, the last four years have been winning seasons. You know, in the, in the thick of playoff chases and so forth. And uh, you know, Monty Hooker, who's, who's been here a while, said uh, he said he's been asking teammates, kind of, uh, what's your why? Uh, you know, and and what he what he means by that is what's your reason for playing football? He wants to know what motivates guys uh, because now that they're playing for that. And and he said also it's about kind of caring about the guys around you, wanting to give them your teammates, the guys you sit next to playing with, the best chance. You know, moving forward. Uh, and then uh, Nick Westbrook Aquina, who has who has been here a few years too, similar response. Said so now you're you know you're you're playing for uh, you know not only not not playoff so much as the guys next to you. You can't control your own destiny, uh, but but again maybe it's about the guy who sits to your left, sits to your right. How much you care about them? How much you know uh, you want the the product to to still look good out there? So it's going to be a challenge, I, I think, uh, going forward. Um, and and I think certainly from the aspect from the from the the other angle of of like you know whether the team. Uh, is is tanking, if you will. I, I think we will see as much youth as possible being inserted in the lineup, simply because there's no reason not to right now. Um, you know, give them a look, see what you have in them. The downside, oh, okay, you, you lose another game, you, you're not losing out on a, on a playoff uh, appearance at this point. So if um, you know, uh, by putting some young guys in the lineup, you happen to slide down, that draft pick gets even better. Uh, than than where it sits right now. Oh well. So I don't I don't say that's a direct tank, but maybe you know an a, an indirect way of tanking, if you will. Yeah, it uh, it it's it's a new scenario for the coaching staff, certainly too. At least for uh, for Mike Vrabel, when when you when you look at you know 2018, they were in the playoff hunt all the way to the very last game of the regular season. 2019, of course, they got on that roll, made the run, got in the playoffs. 2020 and 2021 division championships at this same point last year they were seven and three having just lost to Kansas City in what you know everybody thought was a terrific performance a a game that created a lot of optimism they were I think they were what the number two seed in the AFC at that point and uh and so yeah to your you know from from here on out it's uh it's uncharted territory for Mike Vrabel as a head coach and uh and for those who would say, well, the Titans should just tank, it's pointless, it doesn't matter if they win any games anymore, I'll just point to Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans last year and uh, and the pride that, that he showed and that that team showed in winning two of their last three games. One of them, they beat Tennessee, actually, and then, uh, and then closed out the regular season with a 32-31 win over Indianapolis that got them to 313-1 and and cost them the number one overall pick in the draft. There were people in Houston wringing their hands and, and ready to wring Lovey Smith's neck. Well, 11 weeks into this season, how many of those same fans are looking at what's going on and say, you know, we really would have been better off with Bryce Young over CJ Stroud? I'm guessing very few of them, right? I mean, you, that, that's the thing that I think the average fan doesn't understand in, in how athletes and coaches at this level are wired. And, and, and the, the way they are wired is that you do everything you can to be your best today, whether that's in practice, whether that's 
that's in meetings, whether that's in games, because you don't have a lot of opportunities to do this. The season goes by quickly. You only have 17 games in the regular season. You want to you wanna play well. You want to get that winning feeling. Most of these guys you know they they've they've had they've won a lot more games in their lives than they lost they they want that winning feeling and uh and you know so that's what you do you deal with today today try to be your best and then when the draft comes when free agency comes you you deal with those things as they happen and uh and, and all those fans in Houston who wanted Bryce Young you know they they were wrong at least as of right now so uh so we will, uh, you know, we will we will get a look at him, as I said, up close and personal Sunday at Nissan Stadium, and we will uh, we will compare him to Will Levis, who might not be at his best. He's on the injury report this week with a foot and ankle problem. It's been a little different practice schedule because of the holiday. Titans uh, did some work on Tuesday and Wednesday. The players will have an off day Thursday. Um, but but uh, Levis was a uh, was a full participant in Wednesday's practice. Uh, uh, Denard, what what do you what do you expect from these two guys? Do do you is it is it sort of a referendum on on who might have the better career in any way? Uh, or is it uh, or is it just two guys trying to survive another Sunday at this point? Two guys trying to get better. <laughs> two guys that are the future of those franchises. And when you look at both of them, the the upside. I mean, will let me tell you some. What I've witnessed from him, if you're Tennessee and you're that fan base, you know that you have a player that's capable of leading this franchise for the next 10, 12, 13 years. Uh, what a great game Sunday. He played well considering the fact that Jacksonville blitzed them <laughs> like they were supposed to about 80 to 90% of the game. He had a, what, a 143.8 QBR. And a lot of times he's moving left. He's moving laterally rather than, you know, having a chance to uh, have a clean pocket. And I, and I love, I love his athleticism, his toughness. I love his grit. And then you look at Bryce Young, unfortunately one in nine, but he had a terrible game against Dallas. They absolutely beat him up. They had one pick and he had a, the last three weeks. He's had a QBR QBR of under 70. So he's not enjoying this, um, uh, kind of this time right now, I call it the growing pains of the league. But again, it's this is not a game about uh, survival for these two. This is a game to showcase two of your next stars uh, for the next years to come. And what I'm, I'm, what I'm really proud uh, about Will Levis, I'm going to say this, is that this young man has all the tools. Uh, if they can just build it like they did with Dallas when I was in high school, when they drafted Troy Aikman, they went out and they addressed that offensive line. They went out and got – they had players like Mark Tuane. They had Mark Stepnowski, the former Titans. You're talking about they went out and Larry Allen. You think about what Jimmy Johnson did. He built around Troy Aikman. If they build around Will Levis, this can be an, an amazing turnaround for years to come for the Titans organization. Yeah, the, the one thing Bryce Young has done – reasonably well i guess this year or among the things he's done reasonably well so he's not thrown interceptions in back-to-back games yet now he's thrown multiple interceptions in three different games but uh every time he's protected the ball well the next week so the, the bad news for the titans there is that he threw one interception last week against dallas i guess maybe he would have thrown more but was sacked a season high 
seven times. I, you know, may, maybe just couldn't get the ball out of his hands often enough to, to throw a second one. But, uh, uh, you know, obviously turnovers are going to be huge in any game for this Titans defense to try and help their offense out if they can, uh, if, if they can force him into a mistake or two that uh that will uh that will obviously be beneficial um john what you know how how injured do we think will levis is at this point uh and, and how important do you think this matchup is to him I, I mean there were you know in the weeks leading up to the draft there was there was some talk that that Levis could potentially be the number one overall pick, and then he goes and falls out of the first round altogether. One of those sort of embarrassing uh, draft day scenes is. Uh, uh, you think this means something to him to on Sunday? I think it does. Yeah, you know, he talked uh, again the other day about um, you know not necessarily only Carolina. It's not like he's got a vendetta against the Panthers, but that whole draft slide in general, and of all the teams that passed on him in the first round. You know, he said that continues to motivate him now uh, and, and, and kind of move him forward when, when he thinks about that, which apparently he still does with, with regularity. You know, it was, it was funny. He talked about, uh, you know, he was asked, hey, did, did the Panthers ever, you know, talk to you maybe about being that number one selection instead of Bryce Young? Because remember, I mean, it sounds hard to believe now, you know, when, when um, Levis was number 33, but he was certainly being talked of, you know, as a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, last year at the draft. And, you know, some were even saying top five. Uh, and he said, yeah, so Carolina had him in um, for a, for a, a dinner at some point. Then they had him in for a top 30 visit. But he said when he got there, he said uh, it, it was basically the, the Panthers were more or less telling him, hey, we like you. You're a nice guy. But but frankly, you know, you're, you're not going to be our guy at that, <laughs> that number one. Uh, so he said it was kind of funny. Because like a week or two after that, all those rumors started swirling around that, hey, the Panthers might take Will Levis at number one. And and Will Levis said he felt like shouting out to somebody, I know it's not going to be me. They they don't like me. And I remember when they told me that. Um, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, he's, he's still very motivated. What I think that kind of the difference is, the big difference between these two guys so far is, you know, that that Will Levis arm is the biggest difference and the production that he has shown because of it. Um, you know, he, he's got 14 throws over, 14 completions over 20 yards so far, so far in, in just four games. Uh, Bryce Young in nine games only has 13. Uh, and then you look at those touchdown passes in the last four games. Uh, Will Levis has, uh, I think, what, four touchdown passes over 30 yards. The only other guy in the NFL that's done that is Tua, um, you know, and, and we know what, what Tua is dealing with also. He's had four touchdowns over 30 yards. So we've seen the, the big shot production, the big volume from Will Levis. That is not something we've seen from Bryce Young. You look at like yards per completion is a, is a good example. Levis right now averaging 11.7, Bryce Young only 8.5. Pretty significant difference right there uh, i still think levis can can do some things better you know moving teams consistently instead of kind of that all or nothing long touchdown pass or, or nothing he needs to be able to move teams consistently pick up third downs you know check down passes sometimes uh, but he is not turning the ball over very much either uh, and as you mentioned uh, david that's something 
you know, Bryce Young has done uh, much more averaged about one per game so far. So if you look at a very small sample size, you have to like what Levis has done so far uh, compared to Bryce Young. But, uh, you know, as we both know, both of these guys have a long way to go. So, Denard, are the Titans going to win Sunday? Yes, they're at home. They have Carolina. And I tell you what, Carolina's offense is terrible. And, I mean, I'm talking about their offensive line. I tell you what, Dallas, if I'm Tennessee, I'm taking a page out of Dallas's playbook. They got to a seven-sack Sunday against Carolina. Bryce was, I mean, 11, 11 quarterback hits. I got Tennessee winning this game. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we, we've seen a different team at home, and this is a this is this is this is an even matchup in terms of the offensive lines. And and Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry and and Harold Landry and crew they have to be uh, salivating at the uh, at the opportunity to to get after a quarterback uh, the the way they've seen it. And don't discount Arden Key. Remember we we yeah. talked about Arden Key so much in training camp, and oh how great he was, and and. We see now that maybe that was more a product of Andre Dillard's struggles than Arden Key, but we know that that Arden can take care or take advantage of uh, of a lesser offensive lineman. So this might be this might be the breakout game for him. I kind of have my eye on on him going into this one. John, do you care to make it a clean sweep, or are you gonna you gonna go Debbie Downer on us? I I, I have to go with the Titans, Dave. Like if if we can't pick the Titans for this game at home <laughs> against a one and nine team, then we might never ever yeah. pick the Titans again. Yeah, so I'm I'm going with them. You know, I think one of the most important things too is that this Carolina offense is so poor that that it's not a situation where the Titans are going to have to score 25 points, 30 points. You know, this is a team that if they get to 20, then maybe even if they get to 17. You know, they they should win this game. And and I don't think Carolina has a lot of weapons that can hurt this this Titans defense. So I am picking the, the Titans to win again at home. As you mentioned, hey, they've already beaten the Chargers, the Bengals, and Falcons at home. So I think they're gonna do it again. It's a Thanksgiving miracle. Three for the three three of us all thinking positively going into Sunday. Um, until then, I hope everyone, uh, we hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving. We are, uh, we are grateful to you all for listening and for telling your friends and fellow fans about us. Uh, until next week, Denard Walker, happy Thanksgiving to you, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, all our listeners and fans. John Glennon, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to you all as well. And we will be back next week with Believe in Titans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.